Sometimes the time just gets away from you. You'll see a performance that moves and inspires you, but due to scheduling and yada yada, next thing you know, it's months later. Well, here we are in November, and I'm incredibly pleased to talk with two amazing athletes who lit it up this year and definitely left a mark on the sport. On this week's show, we chat with Matt Hughes, the Olympian, Bowerman Bro, two-time NCAA champion, and Canadian steeplechase record holder, had a standout year that saw him come within a second of his own record, and a thriller at the Commonwealth Games. We discuss living in the Great White North, lowering some PBs, and the timing of the cross-country trials. But first, Lindsay Tessier, not only the Canadian Masters record holder in the marathon, but also the second fastest time by a Canadian this year, and one of the fastest of all time. That's coming up in just a second. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. When Lindsay Tessier ran a 2.30.47 this year at the Berlin Marathon, it was a shock to many who follow the sport across the country. But shock is kind of what she does best. Lindsay is a school teacher and a newly minted master athlete who had a huge breakout last year running a 2.36.55 for silver at the Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon and National Marathon Championships, all while scheduling her running around the demands of her busy life, including mostly early, early morning runs. Now she is the national master's record holder, the second fastest Canadian marathoner this year, and a high up on the all-time list. We caught up with her earlier this week. So, you know, a lot has been made of you breaking the Canadian uh, master's marathon record. However, I don't think that there has been enough focus on the fact that you are now one of the fastest ladies, period, over that distance in Canada. I want to know, has that 2.30 really sunk in now? Um, <laughs> no, not uh, in moments when I have um, my some of my, my running mates talk to me about it. Um, it. It does, or sort of in quiet moments when I'm waking up in the morning, I'll be sort of just proud of the accomplishment. Uh, just that it was a six-minute PB for me, but not, not, not so much about like I haven't really wrapped my mind around what that means, and I I kind of don't want to. I just want to, I just want to be proud that I outran myself last year at this time. Yeah, I you know I remember when when we talked last year, and you said that you went into Scotia last year, you know, thinking that you're going to run a two forty five, and then you went out and you know you went out with Leslie, and eventually said, well, this this pace is a little too rich for me, and you still ran, you know, that fantastic race that you ran, you know, that you ran last year. What was the case this time around? You know, did you have some sort of time in mind? Was it you know that that two thirty mark? Uh, no, my the I, the goal is always to PB, um, and then much past that, I don't like to over intellectualize it. Um, I I train hard. I trust Steve, my coach. I really trust the training. I put the work in there pretty hard, and then when on the day of the race, I just. Um, sort of run by feel when I'm when I'm running I check in with myself to make sure I'm not overreaching um and and I always I always I make this deal with myself if if you're running and you feel like you're overreaching then you know pull it back adjust uh but if things are feeling good I don't I'm not a slave to my watch as a matter of fact I I don't make a habit of looking at my watch at all or splits and um because if things are going well um then I, and then they feel good then I'm just going to keep going um and then if they're not then I'll pull back if if, if I look at my watch and suppose the numbers are reading too fast and then, then I might freak out or if I'm reading if the numbers are reading too slow then I could also freak out and it just will mess with my head. I'd rather just run by feel. It it has served me 
fairly well in in the past and that's the way I I try to try to run a race so that that big breakout race was was at Scotia and it was in front of you know a hometown crowd you know this this year you chose you chose to go to Berlin which is you know such an incredibly fast race every single year it you know brings the fastest people on earth together to to run the marathon what what was it what was your decision like to to bring you to Marath or to Berlin this time um a couple of things I, I chose Berlin because first of all I had a, a very supportive principal this year we got a new principal my other one was as well but this one was very supportive of my running and she um agreed to give me the time off so I needed I would have needed I needed four days off of work um and so that sort of opened up this idea like wow I might be able to race overseas which is not something I ever saw happening so that was extremely exciting and Berlin is also earlier in the year, which means I think it was the second week of September. So that means I have less exposure to um, the germs <laughs> that the kids <laughs> so generously give me. Uh, and then, of course, I heard that it's it's a fast course. Although that wasn't a huge motivator, I was I was sort of more interested in in racing in Europe um, because again that's not something I ever thought I'd do and I don't know I mean I love to race marathons forever but I, I, want, I want to sort of dip my toes into as many as I can while I can still be competitive so yeah Mer- Berlin it was <laughs> You know, I I've seen some some photos and stuff, and uh, one that really struck me was one that you posted on your Instagram uh, with a another marathoner who who made quite the name uh-huh. for themselves that day. You know, maybe you can can tell um, the story behind that photo. Well, it's not it's not anywhere as glamorous as it kind of looked. Unfortunately, it was actually um, Rachel Cliff's mom had taken that picture. She was on the sort of on the sidelines there and I didn't I, I, I don't know I was in I guess a zone at that point but she had captured that moment and I'm so thankful she gave that picture because that is something I will treasure for the rest of my life I did see Kipchoge uh, in the um, race hotel in the morning as we were loading the bus and he was that was again a moment that I'll never he he has just this aura about him and I don't say that lightly um and he just he was just sitting there so unassuming I didn't have the nerve to go up to him because I was assuming he was pretty stressed out that morning uh but people were you know approaching him and he's just so graciously with that beautiful grin of his and those eyes and he just received them so warmly and he he was he's a magnificent human being i mean just on the road and off the road it, it, it was so that was again that's how my morning started out that's how my race morning started out it was a good day <laughs> So, I mean, when when you ran Berlin, uh, Rachel Cliff had such a phenomenal uh, debut, and, and you kind of mentioned that that her family was there. When did you when did yeah. you find out about that race? And you know, did you get to to talk much with her? You know, pick her brain about training or anything? You know, what what was your interactions with her? Yeah, we had um, so I roomed with um, Catherine Watkins, um, and she and I were not in the race hotel. We were about 45 minutes outside of, or away from the race hotel. So we would subway in in the morning or to do some shakeout runs with, um, we would meet up with Rachel at her hotel and then go down and run through Tier Garden and just do a couple little shakeouts. And then morning of, I sat with her in the bus and um, she was, she was lovely. She was so, you know, nervous but excited and like she 
respecting the marathon. She was, you know, the girl is fit and so talented, works hard, but she, she was, there was so much humility and she was not knowing, you know, how the actual marathon would pan out. And um, it was just nice being around her. And she was, she was just real about everything. And then we ran the race and um, I, of course, did not see her at all throughout the race. But then right at the finish line, we did. And uh, it was quite a celebration there because she was thrilled with her race and I was shocked and thrilled with mine so it was we got snapped a few pictures there at the end and it was just such a positive positive atmosphere for the Canadians <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. know after that you, you came back to uh to your school where where you are a teacher um you know maybe maybe <laughs> some people didn't know that but you know, did did the kids know? You like how how did, how are you received when when you got back to work? Actually, when I got back to work, we had um, cross country practice, so I got back in the morning, and um, the other coach was already there, just sort of in a huddle with the children, the team, and they they were our cross country team is um, grades three, excuse me, four to six. So they were, and I have taught most of them. And so when I walked up, they they were all clapping and cheering for me. And I was surprised by that because I didn't tell anybody that I was going to Berlin. I, it was actually, it was very stressful for me to leave. <laughs> um, just four days being off is, is um, I don't know, I just don't really, it was hard for me to be away. Um, but anyway, I think their parents had found out and a couple of them had were watching or looked at my results. So the, the older children knew. Uh, the kids in my class, I teach grade three, they could have cared less. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, through, and throughout, throughout, like following that, I would sort of, they asked where I was and I said, I, I did this race um, in Berlin and the of course, they have no idea where that is, and so. But I, I'm trying to, not really focusing on the race with the children. It, they're not affected by that. But I was trying to bring back. I just I keep trying to embed in my lessons the hard work and you know having goals and this kind of thing. They're they're a bit young to, to understand. They don't know what a marathon is. They, <laughs> they think they can, <laughs> beat me in anything. So. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was back to reality and you know after besides that first that initial greeting from the junior students who were having the cross-country practice then it then it was over then it was back to math and language and <laughs> usual life <laughs> well you, which is good you know it's it's funny that they you know that that they didn't see it as that big a deal because i mean like you were the second fastest uh you know marathoner in a very very deep field uh in this country uh you know as of as of this last year you know pending no december results i guess um now i know steve's mentioned it to you a couple times but you know what what are you thinking about for for tokyo and for doha coming up i i um do not put the cart before the horse ever. I, I'm, I'm just going to continue training and be, be, continue to be very determined and work hard. I, I'm, I'm not really prepared to comment on either of those at this moment. I could just, sorry to disappoint you. And I'm not trying to be a cryptic or anything either. I'm just, that's a lot to get my head around. Um, those, the mention of either of those is pretty, pretty um, overwhelming, surreal, I think, right now. So I just have to let Berlin digest and then um, think about running Houston half in January. And then we'll all tackle anything else in the future 
that's that's fair enough but you know it it does lead into you know another question i have just because you know you mentioned with berlin that you kind of kept it uh, a little bit of a secret not just from your students but i'd say uh a lot from the running world as well too um you know we were we were talking a little bit before you know you're you're not on strava you, you know that's not something that that you really see as as beneficial you're kind of like this this runner who has you know made their best effort to go under the radar and go unnoticed but you know your times kind of prevent you from from being in that position <laughs> uh you know what what is with the conscious decision to keep yourself out of the limelight um i'm I am a private person. I, I think there's a difference between secret and private. I, I just, I, I don't know. I prefer to keep things. Running is, is sort of my, I, I run as first and foremost sort of for myself and for my sanity and my peace of mind. And I, when, when I open, if I were to open myself up more to it, then there are opinions and there are predictions and there are, I don't know if that makes me a chicken that I don't want to deal with that or, or, or what, but I, I don't want to change the lens through which I see running, which is first and foremost, very enjoyable for me. And I, I, I fear that if I opened myself up, um, then that could, that could change. And, like, I, and I, I, I enjoy following other runners. So perhaps it's a little hypocritical of me, but for me, I, I just am private in general and my running, I hold near and dear. So I, I like to sort of keep that close. <laughs> That's that's fair enough. So, I guess so. What what I'm hearing you say is is running by itself is is a fairly simple thing, and you know, adding in these these different things would would almost complicate it for you. That's exactly. That's that's very succinct. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I meant to say. It's true, <laughs> though. It is. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned. I like to keep it simple. Sorry. Oh no no go ahead go ahead. I, I do, I like to keep my running as simple as possible. I'm not a big um, numbers person or pay, like a, I'm not too, like I said, strapped to my watch um, for workouts. Of course, I need to know what my paces are and I try to hit them. Um, but basically, I, I want to make sure that my effort is there. And then I do, I don't like to overcomplicate by get complicate things running by life is complicated enough. <laughs> if I can, if I can just keep this, you know, as simple as possible, that's the goal. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, so, some other runners that, that you like to watch. I, I know that you've, uh, you've struck up, you know, a pretty good friendship with, with Natasha Wodak. Um, yeah. I s- saw that you're hanging out with Kinsey Middleton as well too. That that's, you know, really interesting to see and actually really, really nice to see as well too. You know, how, how was that after that Scotia marathon? I mean, you know, Natasha was, was a pacer for Kinsey and Kinsey just, you know, knocked it out of the park in, in her debut. Yeah, she did. Wow, her debut. There's some strong debuts this year. It was great. I mean, to have Tasha come out and support, to fly all the way out here and and support Kinsey in her first, um, in her marathon debut is just, it's so good to see. And I think it sets a really good example of how we're, we're all sort of supporting one another even though we are competitors. Um, and then Natasha is so excited for everybody else. And she wanted to know every single detail of Berlin. She needed to FaceTime right away. And and then with Kinsey, she stayed in her hotel the night before and then got her all ready in the morning. And afterwards we went, uh, the three of us went to dinner and uh, just sort of, celebrated our 
like her, Kinsey's success and Natasha's part in it. And it's, it's great when we can all sort of appreciate our individual and appreciate and celebrate our accomplishments together because we all go through it. I mean, we all know what it takes to, to train and we all, we just appreciate one another. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Coming up in, uh, in, I guess just a, a week from now, uh, in Kingston, there's going to be the the final their final uh, version of the cross country national championships. And yeah. uh, you know, for those who are keeping an eye on the on the registration, then they would see one Lindsay Tessier who will be running it uh, <laughs> next weekend, participating in it, <laughs> taking part in it. <laughs> I th- I think we can safely say running because if if people see you walking, then. Uh, Oh God! That that might get a little bit messy. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be messy, anyways. But you know, why yeah. why cross country this year? You know why why are you putting yourself through that? Well, super question. I'm not. I haven't quite answered that for myself. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I have been out to watch it for the past two years, um, and it's something different. It's something challenging. It's the complete opposite um, of road racing. It's it's funny. It's the same motion, but it feels like a different sport. Um, I've been running on the grass, super frustrated. I just I cannot generate the same power that I do on the road. But at the same time, and it, it at the same time, it makes me really uncomfortable. But I I want to try it. I want to do. I want to branch out. I want to do, I, I know that I'm not going to be <laughs> extremely successful at it, but that that's fine with me. I won't, I just want to be a part of it. The past few years when I've been watching, I was injured. And so, um, I thought when, and when I'm healthy enough to do so, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. And so, and also it gives me, it gives me a chance to, and see how other like I'm learning a lot like I was telling you before I got to um, warm up with Julianne for the community race and just to to hear her talk about it and then to watch her race it, it was um, I don't know just really cool cool experience for me and I, I want to I accept that I'm not I'm not going to excel at it but I'm I'm loving sort of improving and learning about it and trying to get better at this and then it also makes me really appreciate the road (laughs) a lot (laughs) well i saw you you were running um the community race at the at -hmm. the university championships a a couple weekends ago which of course is is held on the on the same course as the national championships what did you think of the course you know do you think you can make something work on there yeah the course is great i mean it's it's really well groomed. There are some some nice hills there. I really, I really do like the course. It's there's some turns and twists and turns, and I don't. I just think I'm excited to run it. To run it, I really am, and I'm excited to actually watch the the professionals do their thing on it. Like it's it just it's gonna be cool. You know, we were we were talking a little bit beforehand, uh, you know, about the spikes and and how this was, you know, like your first real experience in in spikes. Was there was there this moment when you got you know a little bit of dirt on them? You you kind of, you know, got a little bit sad when you saw that. No, I felt so badass. The dirtier, the better. I was, <laughs> I, I I like this is a gritty sport, and I think um, in road racing, I. I don't, I don't feel super gritty, <laughs> but I like, I like the idea of, I took pride in the mud that was coming up my back and, um, somehow I ended up with the bruise on my leg. I was really proud of that too. <laughs> and I liked to, to dirty my spikes. <laughs> you know, you've, you've, uh, spoken of, of diversifying and I know Steve has you on, on one of his programs. So I know there's an entire range of speeds there, but you also ran the, you ran the 5k championships this year. I ran a really impressive mm-hmm. time there as well Thanks. too, on kind of a tempo effort is, is, is what I'm told. Um, mm-hmm. 
do you still consider yourself to be one speed Tessier? Is is that still a nickname that you think that you deserve? Oh yeah, I do. I I um I th- I guess single speed because I don't when I go into races I don't really have a big game plan in the sense like oh I want to negative split or at this point I'm going to sort of drop the hammer and try to go I just I do what my body is capable of in that day and it and it often ends up being I think I think my splits for example in Berlin were were fairly even mm-hmm. and and yeah I, I guess over that 5k it was it was a bit quicker but not terribly faster than I no I guess I guess it was about a minute faster than what I was running the five K's in the um in the marathon. But I do I guess I, st- I still do feel single speed. Even now like trying to train um for this ten K coming up. Um I know we're trying to get some some one K intervals and I just my legs are running marathon pace. <laughs> I can't get them to move. Oh <laughs> uh, well I wish you the best of luck next week. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was it was great having you on the show. You know, I was talking with Thanks. Steve last week, and I, I said, you know, what? I still haven't had her on the show after that fantastic. And uh, we we both agreed that you needed to be back on the Terminal Mile. So, you know, <laughs> okay. here we are. Okay. Here we are. And here I, we are. Yes. I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, taking the time to to be on the show this week. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If I had to pick a race of the year, it would probably be the Commonwealth men's steeplerace back in April. Canadian Matt Hughes gave perhaps one of the most valiant performances I've ever seen on the track, giving everything he had in that final lap. Now, in the end, he came up fourth, but it was that race and his performances this year that let us know that Hughes, the Olympian, NCAA champ, and Bowerman Track Club runner, is back, and he's going to be something to watch for the next few years. So it's it's been a pretty busy year for you and you know you've been been all over the world but I think we should we should take a look out for a second um at the entire Bowerman club I mean it's just been a pretty crazy year for for the Bowerman club uh in general with a lot of athletes doing really really well uh yourself included what what do you think's going on there Yeah it's like the the women in particular had a huge breakthrough um you know, last fall, Shalane, Shalane winning New York, and then, um, you know, Shelby having the huge breakthrough that she did in the 15 was really cool to see. And I think just the women's group in general has just expanded crazy over the last few years. It's funny, we were talking with a couple of the guys in our group thread um, just this week or last week, actually. And it was funny, like when I, when I first joined the group, um, and even the year before I joined the group in 2015, it was literally just Emily Enfield and Shalane. And now since I've been in the group, like we've, they, it's gone from two girls to, I think they're up to like 12 or 13 now. It's crazy. So, and obviously all very talented girls. And, um, I think the thing with our group is like, we feed off each other's success. So <clears throat> you kind of, I'm, sh- I'm sure the girls, like you, they see Shelby having success and then, they they want that success as well they just know that like hey like I, I i'm doing workouts with her like i should be able to like do this stuff um in races so i think it's just like the group mentality that jerry has built is just a, a ton of talented athletes that don't really have any egos and we just work hard together and um we try to all like succeed together as well so it's, it, he's built a, a good group and um it'll be interesting where it goes from here for the next couple of years well, yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there's a, a lot of very likable characters uh, within the Bowerman group, yourself included. Uh, you know, Mohamed uh, as well. Too. I have to I have to wonder though. Maybe not a lot of people know, but you've been actually back in Toronto for what about a year now? So, like, what what what's your relationship with the group right now? Yeah. So in the it would I guess it would have been last 
summer. So what had happened is I, I, I moved and joined Jerry the fall of 2015, um, left Wynn. There was kind of no ill will between me and Wynn. Me and Wynn had a great relationship, but it just got to the point where the group was just getting a little old and those guys were at the end of their careers. Like when I joined the group, there was like Matt Lincoln was there, um, a ton of uh, 800 guys. Nate was there training a lot and I had those guys to work with. And then by the time 2015 came around, I'd been in the group for a few years. Nate had had two kids, wasn't going to training camps as much. And Nate was my main training partner in the group. So going to these training camps without Nate, and not having anyone to train with, I was essentially training by myself. So it got to the point where me and Wynn just kind of sat down and had a discussion, like where where do we want this to go? How, who can I work with? And and I just made this the decision talking with my agent that like, hey, we need to we need to try to find a, a group that I can work with. And um, you know, we ended up having a couple good conversation with Jerry. I talked to Jerry over the phone and we thought we could make it fit, especially with Evan being in the steeplechase and Dan Hewling would be two guys that I would work out with a lot. And um, yeah, it was obviously a no brainer. It was more just Jerry thinking if I was going to be a good fit in the group. And um, yeah, so I moved out there. It was great. And then um, my fiance now, my girlfriend at the time was uh, finishing up her masters at Boston college and um, after she finished her master's, she moved out to Portland, um, I guess what would have been a year later. And um, she was working for um, like, is like a, I guess a PR agency essentially, but it's like a worldwide PR agency. They just have an office in, in um, Portland and she was still on her student visa and they, the company was applying for a work visa for her, which she ultimately didn't end up getting. So she, she only was able to spend a year there and she moved, she was going to have to move out by the summer. And this is the summer of 2017. Um, so I just kind of had to sit down and have a conversation with her and Jerry and just figure out, you know, um, obviously I didn't want to do long, long distance with, uh, with Maddie anymore. My, my fiance now. And we just were like, you know, can I, can I work out with the group in January through September through the indoor and outdoor season and then just do what I need to do in the fall by myself because in reality like our group is based out of Portland but we do so many altitude trips and training camps through January to September we're not actually in Portland that much so um, me and Jerry thought we could make it work so moved back to Toronto last year and I've been here for a full year now living like spending most of my falls in Toronto and then when we do training camps with the group I'll just meet up with them and then spend a few months in Portland if they're there as well just because we're on the road so much like I said from January to September so I think having a good year last year kind of that was going in like me and Jerry talk like if 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 last year went bad then obviously I'd need to move back to Portland and we realized that we weren't getting as much working with the group but I think this this year went pretty well for me and we figured we can do it again so so moving forward that's what I'm doing I'm, I'm spending the entire fall in Toronto training primarily by myself um, I meet up with two coaches that I know from high school Eddie Raposo and and Dave Reed anyone within like the Toronto community would know those two so mm. it's just nice having two guys like that that have been in the sport for so long to just kind of come out and watch me and and just like have a watch on my workouts, which is nice because anyone that's worked out by themselves knows it. Knows that like you know you go out to a track or a trail or a road by yourself, it's hard to it's hard to, to stay motivated. But it's nice just having someone there keeping a, keeping an eye on you. So yeah, so so far that's what I've been doing, and well, I'll keep it going until I feel like it's not working. Well, you know, there, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think. Uh, where we should start is is you know you mentioned Win and Win I've heard described as as kind of a, a finishing coach a guy who can really sharpen you up really really well um, now not a ton is known um, admittedly about uh, Schumacher and his group besides the people within the group but from what I understand their coaching styles are are very different and and what they put their focus on is is very different. Uh, I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts about that and, and if it's, you know, made you like a, a lot stronger of a runner. Yeah, I think when, when his background was more the 800 with Gary Reed, um, and he's, a, he's a, um, 
I guess he's a physio as well, which makes him like look at the sport a little differently from, you know, um, a doc like a doctor's eye. Basically, he's, he he's really good at the biomechanics side of the sport, and I would say the two training philosophies really Jerry Jerry's more strength based than win and not that not that win wasn't strength based but I think that we did a lot of quality race t- type stuff with win and um, with Jerry it's more we do strength stuff throughout the entire year and I feel like Jerry's philosophy is like you should be able to run a fast mile and a fast half marathon at any point of the year so we're constantly touching on strength but we're also constantly doing speed as well and I feel like there's this people think that we just do these crazy workouts in our group but I think it's just we have so many talented guys in our group then at any given day like a run can get pretty out of control but um, as long as you're smart enough to realize when you need to when you need to like not run with the group and take an easy day by yourself um, and when you you know you, re- you really need to lock in and and know that you need to get the work in but um Jerry's kind of idea is just do what you need to do on the off days and then just be be ready to show up and and, and work your ass off when the workouts come so you, you know people say that you know sometimes it can take two three years for an athlete to get used to a program and you know to really start to see the results I would say that uh you know, it appears to be very true for you as you put down some some pretty big results this year. Um, you know, came so so close to breaking your own Canadian record. And all I can think of is, is the last time that we chatted on the program. You know, you mentioned you know that there was that fear that you would you know never get to see that kind of level again. You know, you'd you'd already spend a couple years just kind of you know a couple seconds back of that how reassuring was it to you know to get into that into the low eight tens again in the steeplechase yeah no really really and like you said I, I, it um it makes me it reminds me of when i had my first conversation with jerry over the phone before I, before we joined the group is he was like you know we're going into an olympic year in 2016 and um and you might not see the results immediately, but I guarantee you after two or three years in the group that you'll you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think a lot of people question me joining the group knowing that and a lot of guys in the group say this that like usually it's Jerry's third year or even fourth year in the group that you finally start clicking and and to be honest, like the workouts was really hard when I first joined the group and a lot of that was I probably came with the group a little out of shape than I should have been, but it took me a good probably four or five months until I finished one of Jerry's like specific sessions. And when I say specific sessions, it's like um, like a 5K or 10K hard quality workout. And it just goes to show you that not only are Jerry's workouts hard, but the guys that are running in the workouts are, are world-class talent. So if you don't show up to each workout ready to go, then you're going to get your butt kicked. So it's a lot of motivation in that way. But... But yeah, it was very relieving to to finally have some good times this year. But I don't I don't think that was only just me getting used to the workouts. I also think uh, the last couple of years I've just had some unfortunate incidents. Like leading up to the trials in 2016, I like strained my calves in Park City, so I had to take essentially six weeks of walk running, barely doing any workouts leading up to the Olympics. So that was you know just bad timing at that point and then 2017 i ran into a fire hydrant which is just a stupid thing um just on a run and it basically put me out for like two months so and that was basically from april and may a lot of and any any track athlete knows is that's when you're putting in all your good base work leading into the track season so i think just the last two years unfortunate incidents and then leading into 2018 i just had a a full year of good hard workouts and i think that showed at the commonwealth games and then into the summer running a couple more quick times so yeah i was i'm content with last year but certainly not i didn't come away from the year feeling super happy because i know i'm I've been knocking at the door of the Canadian record for a few years and it just hasn't happened. But I know if I just keep doing what I'm doing, it'll eventually, it'll eventually come. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned Commonwealth games and I remember watching that and 
it was just such a such a gutsy performance. There's there's a lot to take from it, you know, as a spectator. Um, I know at the time that you kind of express some some displeasure with the race um you know with with your own effort but you know coming from a spectator's point of view it was it was amazing to see you know we're a couple months away from that now what what are your thoughts on that commonwealth race yeah initially i was super disappointed um i went into that race not thinking but like knowing that i could get a medal and i think when when you finally because let's be honest, I, I I haven't been a medal uh, I haven't been a medal contender in, in world championships and Olympic medal and Olympic games. Like those top guys are are at another level, and I'm not quite there yet. And um, but going into the Commonwealth Games, I was thinking, you know, there's three Kenyans here, and and it's me, and and why can't I run with those top guys? And we got into really good shape, and and Jerry and me had thought we had put a plan together to 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 ultimately have a lot of success there and then um yeah going into the like the last 600 last lap i i I wasn't even thinking metal anymore i was like i I know i'm competing against concesslets who's arguably been the best people in the world the last four or five years but i was honestly thinking like if he's having a bad day i could win this and then with 200 meters to go he kind of puts a little gap on me and then you start thinking okay like silver silver is still an amazing performance and then and then you get past again going over the water jump you in third and you're just like hang on for a medal hang on for a medal and you're just doing everything you can and then a guy nips you right on the line and in a matter of seconds you just like go from thinking you were going to get a medal to having nothing so um yeah i can I can walk away from that and just have a pity party and just be like, yeah, it sucks. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't good enough. So I just got to go back and train harder. But yeah, it was disappointing, but it's motivating in a sense as well, just because I was so close and I think it's something that's going to keep me motivated for the next, you know, two years leading into the the next world championships and, and then hopefully the Olympics in 2020. So knowing that I was really close and knowing that I can get to that point is motivating, but knowing that there's still a ton of work to be done to, to, to run with those top guys in the world. You mentioned that, uh, that Jerry's philosophy is that you should be able to run a mile, a good mile and a good half marathon, you know, any time of the year. Um, taking a look at your PRs, I, I noticed that your your fifteen hundred meter PR is like a three forty, a three forty one. Is is there any plans to? I mean, like you gotta you gotta look at that and think it would be a lot nicer if it was under three forty. Is there any plans to to kind of do that? Take a look at that PR. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. I think I probably have one of the softest <laughs> fifteen PBs for someone that's run eight twelve. Um, maybe not. I'd probably have to go back and, and do a little bit more digging on that. But yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm definitely quicker than what my PB show across pretty much every, every event. Um, it's just, it's hard with the steeple because now with this new diamond league schedule and like having to get the points to get into the final, if you want to get to the diamond league final, you pretty much can't miss a diamond league steeple. And everyone knows that like the fast 15s are hard to get into. So if you miss an opportunity um, to run a 15, you, you just, you're just not going to run fast. And for me personally, like I'm not someone that's just going to go out there, run one fifteen hundred, pop off a good time. I think the way I train, the way we train in our group, it's, it's going to take a couple 1500s. And it's something that me and Jerry talked about at the end of the year, just, the Commonwealth year was so hard because we started steepling so early. And then after Commonwealth games, the focus was, you know, get to get to the diamond leagues and score as many points as possible to hopefully, hopefully you get into the final. Cause essentially they were after Commonwealth games, there was no major games. The major games for our group essentially was Jerry's like, I want as many people in the group to make the diamond league final. So our focus was just on steeples and that's, all I ran last year, but I think going into this year, we realized that I definitely need to get faster. I need to be able to close faster and 
doing a, a few more 1500s and miles maybe indoors is something that's going to help with that so i think our focus this year is going to be yeah we want to run fast in the steeple but knowing that going out and running a fast 5k and a fast 15 is going to help that steeple along so i think early on in the year maybe April, May, June, we're going to we're going to try to focus on running a few more 5Ks and 1500s to hopefully improve that steeple when I start doing it in July, August, September, and then even into October with the World Championship. So, yeah, I definitely want to try to run a lot faster in the 15 and a lot faster in the 5K this year, whether that's indoors, outdoors, wherever. I think just especially it will help mentally knowing I'm going into a race where I don't not only have a 10 speed in the steeple, but I also can run low 13 minutes, which I know I'm capable of. And, um, yeah, I get under 340 for the 1500 and know that I have that speed to run with those guys at the end of the race. It was, uh, it was almost a year ago on, on boxing day in Hamilton. I saw someone wearing a Bowerman track club, um, you know, piece of clothing and, and i thought oh boy you know because you, you see those guys at pretty much every single race someone wearing a Nike oregon project or you know a hansen's distance project um i had never seen someone wearing a bowerman thing but i figured out oh, it's as just some someone who who's come out and you know like is 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 wearing this but then you know a closer look oh hey that that's matt hughes um i mean like i've i've seen your name and results at, at a few different kind of local races you know southern ontario races you're one of those guys who in the track community people know who you are um but perhaps maybe the average runner may not know exactly who you are what what's been the response you know when you've shown up at at these various events like that yeah um it's tough because i'm one of those people that's a huge advocate that like a canadian runner should be trying to run as much in canada as possible whenever there's an opportunity obviously but for a lot of the top guys, that's hard to do because, you know, you're training in the States, you're chasing warm weather. A lot of the, a lot of the good races are in the States and, and whether just it's going out for a fun run just to, to be fun, but ultimately we want to be competitive. And doing that boxing day race was probably not for the right reason. It was probably more, um, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, my girlfriend, and my fiance now had looked up, Hey, there's this boxing day race. Like there's pretty good prize money. And we'd wanted to get cross country skis. And we're looking like it's pretty good prize money. Like if we both do well, like we can go and get some cross country skis. Um, and we're like, okay. So we went up, it was like horrible weather for anyone that like saw the results or even raced it last year. It was like super, super cold. There was snow all over the, the course, but anyways, yeah, we ran it. I had a ton of fun. It was, it was put on the the race director did a great job and just the the Hamilton running community in general it was it was a great response it was, it was cool to see so many people running that event when it was just like horrible weather but yeah we me and Maddie ended up doing pretty well and we went to uh we went to Mech afterwards and got some cross country skis and then went went up north the next weekend afterwards and had a little cross country skiing trip which was which was really really fun so i probably did probably did that boxing day 10 mile for selfish reasons but at the end of the day i had a good time and had a good chuckle with reed and a couple of the elites afterwards talking about the weather so oh for sure you know if anyone who wasn't there that was a mess that was the worst oh it was the worst conditions i've ever raced in for sure but uh I mean, so right now, um, for people who, who follow along with you on Instagram, which, uh, you know, if you want to throw that tag, uh, you're more than welcome to, uh, you have made it known that, that you're moving, but, uh, you've gone through a whole bunch of, you know, different singlets throughout your career. And it was, it was really neat, um, from my perspective to take a look at that, you know, just as, as a fan of the sport and see all the different singlets that you've collected along the way. Um, you know, perhaps you can tell us about some of those singlets and, and, you know, what some of your favorite ones were and, and what they remind you of. Yeah. So, yeah. So going through a big move right now, we're, we're in a, a bigger apartment and now we're into a, a lot smaller one. So me and my fiance have just like, we're totally purging everything that we have. And, um, yeah, so I, I was going through some old singlets last year or, or yesterday actually, and reminiscing a little bit, took me back and, um, yeah, I just realized I have a ton of running stuff. So, um, I, so I've been with Nike for like 
six years now and and we get these like kit drops every fall and winter or every fall and spring so probably on like my 10th through 11th or 12th maybe kit drop so i have tons of running stuff which anyone that's a runner knows that you have a particular set of set of running gear that you like and and most of the other stuff that you get either just goes to friends and family or just anyone else that needs it so a lot of my friends and especially my family is always decked out in running stuff um but yeah you just you just I've accumulated a ton of running stuff, spike shoes, just stuff that I know I'm never going to get to wearing. And, and going through this moving process is like, I was talking with my fiance the other day and it's like, Hey, I should like, I should just give back to the runners in Toronto. It would be nice to, to be able to ship stuff all over the, all over the world to people that follow me on Instagram and Twitter. But you know, due to shipping stuff, I just don't want to like spend a ton of money shipping stuff all around. But for anyone that's in Ontario and in the GTA that is ever in Toronto, um, yeah, just hit me up and hopefully I'll have something that fits you. Maybe a pair of shoes, just a shirt in general, or maybe just an old singlet or something. So hopefully put that over Instagram the next kind of few weeks. And um, yeah, like I said, anyone that's in, in the city or even in Ontario that's ever just stopping by or wants to go for a run, just hit me up and hopefully I'll throw some gear your way. What are some of the ones that, that you'll never, ever get rid of? The ones that you know, <laughs> might end up on a wall yeah. one day? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's tons. Like I'll probably, and I have duplicates of stuff too, but it, it's funny, like the old national team singlet. So like the, the first national team I ever made was uh, in in 2007 Mombasa and Kenya I'll like I'll never get rid of that one it's just like an old school Canada singlet um obviously the one the Canadian singlet that I broke the Canadian record in um I think my mom has the spikes tucked away at home um and then both my both my Louisville singlets that I that I won national championships I'll probably never get rid of those ones um and then there's probably a few more, yeah, like the Olympic singlets, and I still have, I usually, I'm one of those like hoarders that keeps all my bibs from the big races too, so I have like a ton of bibs as well, which is funny. Um, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit of a pack rat in that way, like if, if something's even just a tiny bit sentimental for me, I'll keep it, but yeah, moving into the small apartment, you realize that there's just tons of stuff that you have that, and you accumulate that you just you need to ultimately get rid of. So it's been a hard process of going through stuff and, and finally letting stuff go. But yeah, there's definitely a few things that, yeah, I'll probably never let go of. You know, you mentioned uh, your plans for the 1500, but uh, also taking a look, um, the world championships are, are in Doha next year. What what are the big plans for, for 2019? What can we expect to see from you? Yeah, 2019 is going to be another tough year, I feel like, just like with the Commonwealth Games year being so long and now now the World Championships being in October and essentially, you know, talking with athletes and coaches this year, we thought maybe the Diamond League schedule would be pushed back because of the championships not starting until late September, early October, but that's not the case. The Diamond League schedule staying exactly put, so... Um, it's going to be tough. And I think talking with Jerry, our, our plan or my plan personally is to kind of break the year up into three different kind of subsections. So, you know, we'll focus on indoors, take a little bit of a break, go back to some strength work, do an altitude trip and then do, like I said, that kind of that first out, outdoor season and, you know, hopefully attack some 1500s and some 5Ks in California and primarily in the United States maybe hopefully Canada as well and then you know go back do a little bit of strength work um, and then attack the rest of hopefully the Diamond League season and and into the World Championship so that's the plan right now and as every athlete knows you, you try to write stuff in pencil because a lot of the times you know things things come up that are out of your control and you have to change your change your plan but in a perfect world that would be the plan for, for next year. So what I'm hearing you say is that you like to race in Canada. You want to lower your 1500. I can only think of one place where people go and lower their 1500 meter PBs. And I believe you actually, one of, one of your 1500 PBs uh, from a long time ago actually came from London, Ontario. Can we expect to see you at 1500 meter night this year with, you know, maybe couple, bring along a couple Bowerman guys too? Yeah, maybe. I mean, Jerry's always trying to look for these. The thing about Jerry is, 
he'd much rather us run fast at some low key meet that no one's there than than run at a diamond league, which is which is quite comical because it's like at the end of the day, it's like Jerry, we're trying to we're trying to run fast, but we also need to make money in this sport where a lot of people don't make money. So <laughs> it's a constant battle with Jerry in that way, but. Hey, you never know. If it looks like good conditions and we're looking for a race that weekend and there's no other options, then uh, I'm sure I'm sure we could try to convince Jerry to do that. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll get their people to be in touch with your people and uh, and we'll work it out. We'll work it out. Yeah. Oh man, sure. it's uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun as as a fan of yours to to watch you come back this year and you know get to get back to that place where we knew that you could run and and race in that in that style that we've come to expect from you as well too which is just super entertaining to watch so you know congratulations on on you know all that you've you've done this year and thanks so much for being on the show man really do appreciate it yeah thanks and just and just one more thing i know there's been some talk about and reading the article that came out with with Corey yesterday about you know trying to get all the best Canadian cross country guys together, and I I'm a huge advocate of that. It would be great to have the best Canadian guys all on a cross country team running this current world cross country championships in March. But the reality of it is, is you know, and it's unfortunate, but you know, I just had a, a huge track season that's it started in April and finished in the end of September. So it's like, in reality, you start taking your break, probably the last two weeks of September rolls into October. And then I essentially would have six weeks to get ready for, to run cross country, which anyone that knows when you try to rush fitness and you try to chase, chase workouts and and it, it gets a little stressful and that's where injuries happen. So I'm just, I'm trying to be smart and, it would be nice if if Canada, on these on these World Cross Country years, would push the cross country trial to February, where you know most countries, almost all countries, have have their trials in either January or February, leading into a World Cross Country year. But for some reason, you know Canada chooses to keep it in November, which is it's tough for the track guys like me and Mo um, to to finish a track season, have our break, and then try to get back into good enough fitness to to run cross country. Yeah, I'd love to go up there and just jog it and have fun and and do that, but I'm a competitor. It would it would really piss me off if I went up there and I wasn't fit enough to run and and I got beat by guys I know I shouldn't get beat by. And at the end of the day, it's nice to run in Canada and and compete there, but if I'm not fit and I'm not ready to race, I just don't see the point in in going out there potentially risking injury to try to to try to be competitive when I know I'm not ready and I'm not going to be doing any cross country workouts. At this point, we're just doing base work, and basically all we've been doing is fart licks and hill workouts leading up to this point. And I've only been back working out for two weeks, so yeah, it's tough because I know we we could field a really good team for World Cross, but um, the, the timing for me and Mo personally just just doesn't quite work, and it's unfortunate. Like I said, because I, I think we could have a really really good team in Denmark, but um, just the trials being in late November, it, it, it's tough for us. So, oh, for sure. Well, I mean, like I have to, I think I have to think that the the new criteria that's out though, um, you know, has to has to be advantageous. Uh, for for people like that in your position and Mo's position and, and even Cam Levin's, I know talking with him, he was kind of in a similar sort of position as well too. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm sure Cam would love to run run cross, but you know, coming off a marathon, you got to take a big long break, and then you start realizing looking at the calendar, and it's like, oh shit, like I only have four weeks to get ready for cross, and you start chasing like I said, chasing workouts, chasing fitness, and that's when you just risk injury. And at the end of the day, it would be great to run World Cross, but ultimately, I don't think the risk is is worth the reward because, you know, I'm trying to do well on the track, and it would be great to have fun with a, with a good group of Canadian guys and run in Denmark. But at the end of the day, I need to take care of myself and make sure I'm, I'm fit and ready to go in, in the summer. But... Yeah, it sucks, and and hopefully maybe we we can we can start having the dialogue between the top athletes and be like, look, I think it's more advantageous for us to have these trials in February when when we've had a longer time 
to, to prepare for World Cross, but um, I understand logistically why why you couldn't have a cross country championships in November and then also have a trial for the World Cross in February it would be tough. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll get there one day. All right, man. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're hoping for big things for you in, in 2019. And I'm, man, I know how you set goals. I'm sure you're you're uh, anticipating 2019 uh, quite a, quite a bit as well, too. And like I said, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll be watching all the guys in Kingston. And I hope them the best of luck. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. We uh, we got a good crop of young guys coming up right now in uh, in the distance world in Canada, and um, it'll be fun to follow them for the next couple of years. So uh, yeah, excited for uh, what the Canadians can do on the track and hopefully in cross country uh, over this next year. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week both Lindsay and Matt, as well as the Tracky for their ongoing support. If you want to find us online, you can do so at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.